Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anyone who knows me well knows that one of my favorite things in life is a good dinner party. Sitting around the table with good friends, good food, and good wine is to me a little taste of heaven. And one of the reasons I love Jesus so much is that one of his favorite images for the kingdom of heaven was a banquet, a, a dinner party, a celebration. And as we read through the Gospels, we frequently find Jesus either participating in or talking about a dinner party. Of course, in, in his culture, and often still in ours, the ultimate dinner party, the ultimate reception, the ultimate celebration was a wedding. Typically, the entire village would be invited. In fact, in many villages, a wedding was the biggest event of the entire year, and it could go on for an entire week. And in a culture where hospitality mattered more than just about anything, people worked very hard and went to great expense to make sure that everything went just right. After all, their honor depended on it. Now in our text this morning, we find Jesus and his disciples at a wedding reception in the village of Cana of Galilee, which is about nine miles from his hometown of Nazareth. It was most likely the, the wedding of a, a relative of some sort, since his mother Mary was also there and helping out in the kitchen. Now everybody was having a great time. Their bellies were full. The DJ had the place hopping. The disciples were all showing off their latest TikTok dance moves. 
Nobody was thinking about their problems or all the work that they had to get done on Monday. It was a wonderful moment of joy and hope for the future. A respite from all of the disappointments and harsh realities of life. But then the unthinkable happens. They run out of wine. Now the rabbis used to say, without wine, there is no joy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now in this culture, anyone putting on a, a wedding or, or any kind of a party would always put out an overabundance of food and wine, far more than their guests could consume. For to run out of anything would be a horrific embarrassment and an unbearable uh, shame. In this particular case, for the groom and his family, I mean, people would talk about that wedding for years, and not because the bride was just so beautiful. Now, there are few things that could strike fear in the hearts of someone in this culture, like putting on a dinner party and hearing the words, you're out of wine. I mean, it was social suicide. You might as well be told, your life is over. The truth is, there are times in each of our lives when the wine runs out and hope is hard to come by. Sometimes the wine runs out in our marriages or other relationships that, that started off so promising but end in, in disappointment or heartbreak or, or tragedy. Sometimes the wine runs out on our good health or on our jobs and we struggle to find our place and, and make ends meet. Sometimes the wine even runs out on our faith when God does not act in the way that we hoped or expected him to and, and we begin to doubt whether God is even with us. I wonder, where in your life has the wine run out? Well, the wine had literally run out at this wedding in Cana, and Mary discovers this terrible news before the host or the rest of the guests become aware. And she goes to Jesus and says, they have no wine which I believe is far more than just a, a commentary on their alcohol supply. It's a statement about the inadequacy of all of our futile attempts at finding life on our own apart from Jesus. Now, we don't know what exactly Mary expected of Jesus here. Maybe she was just simply stating the facts on the ground. You're not going to believe this, Jesus. They're out of wine. None of them had ever experienced that before. Or maybe, maybe she was giving him that eye because his rowdy disciples had consumed far more than their fair share of the goods and now the party was on the brink of disaster. Or maybe she was just pleading with him to do something, maybe not even really knowing what he could do. Or maybe she had some idea and she wanted her special 
eldest son to put on a, a good public display to justify to her family and to the community why he had left his mother and his bill-paying carpenter's bench to become an itinerant preacher. But Jesus responds to her saying, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Now at first, this, this sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? Referring to his mother as woman. But it's actually not nearly as disrespectful as it sounds in the English. It is formal, however. Kind of like the French madame. And it does create some distance between them, as if Jesus is reminding his mother that his primary concern is his father's will and the mission that he had been sent to complete. And then Jesus says to her, literally in the Greek, what to you and to me? Which is actually a Middle Eastern idiom that can have slightly different meanings depending on the context. It, it can mean buzz off. Or, uh, your problem is not my concern, leave me out of it. Or, in the words of William Barclay, don't worry, you don't quite understand what's going on here. Leave things to me and I will settle them in my own way. But whatever it was that Mary expected of Jesus, she accepts his response and turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. An incredible act of faith and discipleship. Mary lets go of her own hopes and expectations and her need to be in control, and she places everything into the hands of Jesus, trusting that he will work all things together for good. And faith like that is always irresistible to Jesus. Well, sitting nearby happened to be six large stone water jars used for the Jewish purification rituals, each holding up to 30 gallons. In many ways, those jars represented the old religion of Israel that had to make way for the new thing that God was doing in Jesus. They stood for religion as duty, Religion that's always looking back to the way we've always done things. Religion that's just going through the motions and checking off boxes. Baptism, check. Confirmation, check. Wedding at the church, check. Christmas Eve and Easter, check. But be very sure, there is no wine to be had in that kind of religion. So Jesus turns to the servants and he tells them to fill up these jars with water and take some to the chief steward, the person that the groom's family had honored by asking him to manage the party on their behalf. And by the time he tastes it, that ordinary water had been transformed into wine and the steward was amazed because the wine was extraordinary far better than what they had been serving before that's what Jesus does 
He takes ordinary things and makes them extraordinary. He takes our ordinary gifts and skills, our, our ordinary experiences, our ordinary resources, our ordinary selves, and by a miracle of His grace, transforms them into extraordinary instruments for the kingdom of God. But only those who see through the eyes of faith are able to recognize it. Now, most people at the party had absolutely no idea what had happened. They just thought that the best wine had been saved for last, and a whole heck of a lot of it, about 800 bottles worth. The groom and his family were surely at a total loss. But Mary and the disciples knew. And they alone recognized the true host of the feast as his glory was revealed through this extraordinary moment at this very ordinary wedding in Cana. And they believed. You see, what, what differentiates us as Christians from the rest of the world is not that God gives more good gifts to us than he gives to others. No, the, the sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Surely we all know unbelievers in our lives who have been incredibly blessed. And notice, everyone at the party got to enjoy the good wine. No, what makes Christians different is that we know the one from whom all blessings flow, the true host of the party of life who takes ordinary vessels and ordinary lives and fills them with new possibilities and new life. Jesus enters into our, our ordinary moments, our, our joys and our sorrows, our successes and our failures, our hopes and our disappointments, and in his presence, Ordinary things become extraordinary. What was empty becomes filled. What was lost becomes found. What was old becomes new. What was hopeless becomes hopeful. What was dead becomes alive again. Because with Jesus, all things are possible and the best is always yet to come. And when we learn to recognize that and believe it, then every day becomes a reason to celebrate. As theologian Robert Hodgkins writes, Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties, banquets, feasts, and merriment. We ought to give ourselves over to veritable orgies of joy because we have been liberated from the fear of life and the fear of death. We ought to attract people to the church quite literally by the fun there is in being a Christian. This is why we do things like IPC Connect and beer and hymns and the lunch bunch and, and summer splash at the farm and back to school kickoffs 
It's why we're having a, a luncheon after church today to hear from the Bawandi missionaries and discover and celebrate the extraordinary things that God is doing there. As Christians, we always have a reason to celebrate because we know that the spirit of the risen Christ who has conquered death itself is among us. And he has invited each one of us to play a vital part in his coming kingdom. And every time we get together to celebrate this incredible news, we get a foretaste of that great banquet in heaven whose first toast took place at an ordinary wedding reception in Cana. That's why, hard as it is for me to admit, I don't think the story is really about the wine. Or that when life is tough, God will always bail us out, wonderful as that might seem. Remember, John described this miracle as a sign. And the purpose of a sign is to point beyond itself to something greater. Now, in the Old Testament, overflowing wines was one of the consistent images used to describe the abundance of God's coming kingdom. And so what I think this miracle points to is the startling reality that in the person of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has already broken into this world, overflowing with abundant grace that has the power to take ordinary things, ordinary people, ordinary churches, and transform them into something extraordinary. And if you can see that, if you can believe, then even when the wine in your life runs out, there is always a reason for hope. Because the risen Savior, the host of the party of life, is with you. And in His presence, ordinary things become extraordinary. That's what this table is all about. Oh, sure, it, it might look pretty ordinary, perhaps even a, a bit skimpy, but do not let appearances deceive you. For here, the risen Christ is hosting an extravagant party for those who have eyes to see. For that great banquet in heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, who was dead but now lives, has already begun. And he's inviting you to come join the party by giving up box-checking religion that cannot give you life. By making worship in God's word a greater priority. By trusting his will for your life above your own. By participating any time we have the opportunity to get together and celebrate. By investing your time and your talents and your treasures in what Jesus Christ is doing in and through this wonderful church. Through these ordinary acts of faithfulness, Jesus is inviting you to discover the extraordinary future 
filled with hope that He has waiting for you on the road ahead where the wine of the kingdom continues to overflow in abundance. And He's just dying to give you a taste if you will surrender your life to Him. And you can be very sure Jesus always serves the good stuff. Amen.